Welcome to the Community Church Podcast, your place to belong. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's message. I hope that it blesses and encourages you. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3 and 5. Let's read this and then we're going we're gonna to pray really quickly and, and, uh, and get into this. Uh, it's our second part of Simply Christmas. I know you missed the first part. I tell you to listen to the podcast, but the recording did not uh, tape either service. It just showed. It showed that it taped, but it didn't. Uh, recorded, I should say, not taped. That's really dating me. Taped. Like, you know, like... I might as well say eight track. You know what I mean? Like, is that right? You know what I mean? So, anyways, uh, yeah. <laughs> if you remember eight track, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to go there. But, anyways, um, so I can't, but I will give you a little bit of a recap here in my message. Uh, but Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3 5, another uh, scripture that's related to the Christmas story. And we've been talking about uh, simply Christmas and targeting some pretty simple messages about Christmas. Isaiah 40, verse uh, 3 to 5, sorry, says this. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now, you got to remember, just before we go any further, uh, the people of God, it's been announced that they are going to go into exile at this point. And it is a discipline issue in this particular case. Uh, But God has every intention of returning them from exile. And so then the word comes from Isaiah, or from the Lord to Isaiah, and it says, in the wilderness, while you're there, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up and every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level. The rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. I want you to highlight that. And all the people will see it together. And I love this part. It's very similar to Isaiah chapter 9, which we got to last week. And again, I'll recap in a moment. But it says that the zeal of the Lord Almighty will make this happen. In this case, Isaiah says, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. When God says it, it's going to be done. I want you to highlight that. Let's pray really quickly. Father, we've uh, taken a few moments before we've gotten into your word in the last number of weeks, God, and, and it's my heart, my intention that right now, just as I prayed earlier, that the agenda of heaven would be the only agenda inside this place. That God, whatever circumstance we're facing, whatever uh, trials, whatever uh, stress, whatever weight we're carrying inside this room, not that it's not important because, God, it is to you. I pray that, God, we would just lay it aside according to your word. We would lay it aside your feet. We'd cast our cares on you right now. And that, God, our, our ears and our hearts, our minds would be just completely zeroed in on you. Then, Holy Spirit, you give us ears to hear what God is saying today. And may we have courageous hearts to walk it out. And God, would you give us the strength to make it so. We just declare that right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Anybody here like me, you hate waiting? Right? Like, is there anybody here that actually likes waiting? Like, you like what? Put that hand down. Repent right now because you know that's not true, man. You know, like, the thing about waiting, and last week is a great example you know, I, I, uh, we had our services. I know, you know, when we got here, the, the weather wasn't too bad, but it got worse as it went on. And we just, everybody was already here. The pancakes were on. We just said, we're going to roll with it. If you can make it, that's awesome. So a few of you made it. And, uh, but yeah, I know a few, few braved it, you know, and uh, I made it through and, and they made it back. I see some of the faces. So they made it home. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm happy about that. Um, but halfway through, uh, I guess, actually just before the service started, uh, Cora had texted me and she said, hey, I'm not going to make it. The power's out. And uh, I said, no worries. Don't worry about it. And, uh, and so anyways, but the power's out. So I decided I'm going to preach extra long because why? We had power. That means I've got heat. I've got internets. I've got lights. 
I, can, I got Netflix if I want to, like, you know, so I'm just going to take my time. And I'm not going home. So, but anyways, I get home later on that afternoon for lunch, and, and you got to know the way the power grid works. Um, water down itself, do you know where the, the line is? The line is actually Concession Road 6 East, right here. So the power could be out on the other side of the street and be on here, which is really cool, right? Okay, so my house sits on the edge of the one, one of the borders. So when I look out my back door and I see A&W and, uh, you know, all that kind of, it's all on. <laughs> I'm sitting with no lights. It's cold. You know, it's, and I can see the lights. I can see the power. And then, of course, you know, you're going on and you're seeing all the updates. And the updates is, oh, well, you know, it'll be back on at 3 3.30, you know, that kind of a thing, and so I'm like, oh, you know what, it's an hour, no big deal, no one's going to lose sleep over it, you know, and, and of course, Abby, our nine-year-old, is just losing it. She didn't realize there's an actual life outside of, like, playing online or Netflix or Disney Plus or whatever else she's watching, you know what I mean, like, and so for her, her world was wrecked. In fact, I heard her say a few times, my life sucks, like, I, 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 Something like that. She was just like, I, I, this, this sucks, Dad. You know, like, and so, and then, of course, you know, and I'm watching up my window, and I'm reading the updates, and now it's not 3.30, it's 6. It sucks when you can see it, and you know the promise is supposed to come. It's coming, but you're waiting for it. But you can see it. It's like so close, and yet it's so far. It's like pure torture. You know, and, and then, of course, it goes from there to 9 o'clock. And next thing you know, we're bunkered down in Abby's room. Uh, not that Abby is a diva princess and we did this. It just happens to be the room that she uses as a bedroom. could be also used as a, um, as a great room. And so it has, it's got a gas fireplace in it. So we just close the door, turn on the gas fireplace, me and Cora and Abby. And, uh, and we're just, you know, just hanging out. And, and it's, I mean, it's just, the house got down to 66 degrees. It was crazy, you know. And, uh, and then finally it went on at like 8.30. It was awesome, right, you know? And the promise was fulfilled, yes. Do you know, isn't life like that? Isn't the faith journey just like that? The faith journey is, you know, as a good follower of Jesus, you know that there are promises that God has given through his word. There are times where the promise of the Lord comes in the whisper of your heart, and you know that what you're facing in the way of a challenge, a difficulty, a struggle, it's like you can see it. You know the promise is there, and yet it's not quite there yet, and you're waiting. And if I'm being honest with you, truthfully, waiting in the faith game sucks. It does. It's such a struggle because our heart is there. Our heart's like, oh, man, I know, God, you're going to be faithful to your word, but, but, man, in the natural, and you have all of these doubts, the longer, the more delays, the more doubts come. The more you sense that, man, at any moment, I'm just going to give up. Right? And, and, and there's that challenge of the faith journey that, that, that there sometimes is waiting. And when you look at the Christmas story, I'm reminded that that's actually part of the plan sometimes. That sometimes there is waiting. And when you think about this, and you compare, if you look at the Christmas story, you'll see it for yourself. Because the Christmas story is just a bit of a fulfillment, not a complete fulfillment of a promise that was made in Isaiah chapter 9. We looked at that last week. In Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9, in a season and a moment in the history of Israel, in their context, they were walking through some heavy moments. 
In fact, Isaiah says in the early parts of chapter 9, the first few verses, that, that there was darkness and there was gloom. But he begins to share that popular word that we all know around Christmas time. You know, Isaiah chapter 9 where it says, For unto us a child is born and a son is given and, and the government will be on his shoulders. And, you know, he will be known as the mighty God and he'll be known as the everlasting father and the prince of peace and the, and the, the you know, the counselor, the wonderful counselor. And, and we know that, but, but a lot of times, you know, with scripture, we kind of zero in on a verse. But when you look at the first few verses, it, the context that Isaiah's people, they're looking at it going, man, we're in darkness. We have no hope. And Isaiah prophesies that there is one coming. And he describes it like lights coming on the dawn. And he talks about the joy that will come just like harvest time when you sow. And all of a sudden, you know, you, what you've sown and you can't see it growing. But eventually it, it produces. And once it produces, there's this joy because, you know, the wait is over and now it's here. Or he relates it to the battle, which, you know, Israel was known for not just their harvesting, but their, but their, their history of battles and warriors. And, and he reminds them, you know that joy of, of fighting a really heavy battle and then all of a sudden getting the plunder? You know that joy? He said, that's the joy you're going to feel. That the one that's coming is going to bring hope and is going to break through like light in the dawn. For unto us a child is born. For unto us a child is given. And he's prophesying about the coming of Jesus. And the thing is, is that, that there's a lot of time that happens between that prophetic word and then we find ourselves in the beginning of the Gospels. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of waiting. And last week we talked about the hope that's coming. And how let's not lose heart and let's not lose hope. Because God's promise, again, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will make this happen or accomplish this it means it's the passion of God to take your gloom, to take your darkness and to turn it into joy. It's the passion of God to supply. But there is sometimes a waiting period. And Isaiah picks this up again in Isaiah chapter 40 because this verse again relates to one that is coming before Jesus. He was known as John the Baptist. We all know that. The, the, you know, Luke chapter 1 tells the story of, of uh, the father of John the Baptist who was known as the forerunner of Jesus. And Zechariah was told that he and his wife were going to have a child. His wife Elizabeth was completely barren. And, and, and there was a relationship between Elizabeth and Mary. They were relatives. And the Lord closed Zechariah's mouth because Zechariah didn't quite you know, believe you know, the angel of the Lord, and so you're going to, he's going to, I'm going to close your mouth until the birth of your son, but when your son is born, you're going to name him John, and he begins to describe who John would be as the forerunner. And in the moment that John the Baptist was born, Isaiah, sorry, Luke chapter 1, verse 76 says this, again, under the influence and the power of the Holy Spirit, Zechariah begins to declare, and he makes this declaration, you are the one in the wilderness that will prepare the way for the Lord, which is a prophecy that happened in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3 and 5, we just read it, that in the midst of your darkness, in the midst of what you're going through, prepare the way. And it was a prophetic word that someone was going to come and prepare the way. And what are they going to do? They're going to begin to level things out. They're going to begin to, you know, again, John the Baptist reintroduced to the people this idea of salvation and repentance for salvation. And the need for repentance. 
again, he was the messenger of God to bring not only a sense of hope, but a sense of challenge before Jesus comes. You know, and Jesus was just there. They were born very, very close in time. But when Jesus started his ministry, John the Baptist had already been going around sharing the message of repentance and salvation, pointing people to God, pointing them to a Messiah, pointing them to this one that is going to be here, this, this one that's going to give hope, one that's going to be this game changer. And he's going to come. And just like John the Baptist, Isaiah said that, the, you know, there's got to be this preparation time and the waiting because you're not quite there. There's something that's got to be switched. And again, the context of Isaiah 40, those that would have been hearing the message from Isaiah would have understood it that it was uh, typical that when a dignitary would walk into an area or region, there would be workers that would go before this dignitary and they would make sure that this this, the ability of that dignitary to get to the region, they would clear everything out of the way. And they would move, you know, rocks and obstacles and begin to smooth out some stuff and, 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 and just push things aside. And, and again, we know that from Isaiah, there's this, this leveling that's going on. The mountains are being lowered. The valleys are being raised. The, 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 you know, the path is being made straight. It's so that the dignitary would have no obstacle to get to the region. And I'm reminded that the Christmas story and the simple message of the Christmas story is that sometimes there's a wait. Sometimes there's a wait because there's a purpose that God is doing. Sometimes there's a preparing because the conditions are not exactly what they need to be in order for God, the dignitary, the ultimate dignitary, to come into your situation or where you are. Sometimes God is leveling some things out. He's doing some stuff in the background that you and I may not necessarily see. And there's a purpose. And because there's a purpose, there's always a process. Whenever there's a purpose, there's a process. God is, is working some stuff out. And we lie in wait. And you know what God put on my heart? But God put on my heart this week for, for all of us inside this room and maybe specifically for anybody that is walking through the season of waits. You feel challenged. You feel like, man, I've been waiting for God to answer whether it's a promise in his word or maybe it's a promise that God has whispered in your heart and in your spirit. Maybe it's a prophetic word. My message to you today is do not lose heart and do not give up. You might be in the midst of what seems like a long delay, but trust this and know this and be confident in this because the mouth of the Lord has spoken, because the Lord, the zeal and the passion of God Almighty wants to accomplish this. It is going to come, but he might be doing something in the background in the way of leveling some things, preparing some things in order to make it way so that you can see the glory of God happen right before your eyes. Don't give up. Now, if you were here last week or had the chance to listen to the podcast, I'd take you back to Isaiah chapter 9 because he mentions in Isaiah chapter 9, when he was talking about the battle, he mentions the battle with the Midianites, which was a reference to, to, uh, to Gideon, Judges chapter 7. Most of us know the story. Uh, here's you know Gideon, and he's got this battle. He's got 22,000 army with him. Like he's ready to go to battle with the Midianites. 
And Isaiah is, and the Lord is there, and, and he speaks to Gideon. He says, Gideon, I'm going to give you the victory, but you have too many men. And he stacks the odds against Gideon. Just stick that in your theology for a second. He says, Gideon, nope, it's too many. I don't want them to boast that they won the victory, so we're going to lower it. He keeps lowering and lowering and gets it down to 300 warriors. And Gideon is like, he doesn't say anything, but God knows he's thinking something. And so the Lord says to him, hey, Gideon, if you're afraid to go to battle, even though God's promised it, the victory is his. If you want to go to battle or you're afraid to go to battle, I want you to just go down to the camp quietly of the Midianites. And I want you to listen I want you to listen. And so Gideon does that. He takes a, a warrior with him, and they crawl up beside this one tent, and there are two Midianites in this camp, and they're, they're talking, and the one says to the other, he says, hey, listen, I had a dream last night of this barley loaf. You know, I don't know if they were just really hungry or whatever, but, and he said, and this barley loaf just rolled from the top of a hill, and it wiped us out. And the other one looked at him and said, man, that's a sign. That means God is with Gideon. We're going to lose this battle. And Gideon heard that. And then he went back and summoned his army and came to battle, which we all know the story. God calls the Midianites to fight against each other, and they destroyed each other before the army even got there. Again, God pointing out that I can do a whole lot with little. I don't need much. In fact, I don't need anything. I'm God. That's a whole nother message. You might feel like you're on the last strand of hope. God, God can still work through that. You might be on your last dollar. You might be at your last moment. God goes, I can still work through that. There's hope. We need to listen. In the midst of the wait, we got to listen. We got to evaluate. We got to, and here's what's so powerful. And this is what God spoke into my heart. Craig, I was already at work before, before, I was already doing something before Gideon ever took an, a step, before he even made it his way to the camp to even listen. He was afraid. I was already at work. I had already stirred in the heart of somebody a dream, a dream that signified that they were going to lose the battle. I already taken a step before you took a step. Do you want to know something? God's already taking steps. And that's what's so powerful about listening. That's, about, that's what's so powerful in the moment of the waiting, taking a moment. God understands our humanity. He gets that we'll have moments of doubt. He gets that we'll have moments that we're worried. He gets that we'll have moments that we're afraid. And every time that we go through it, God, God doesn't always look at us and say, well, stop it. I mean, there are times where he does. Sometimes God just looks at us and goes, just listen for a moment. It's not a matter, when it comes to the promises of God, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And, you know, again, this week, God stirred three things in my heart. He was like, it could be as simple as time. It could be a timing thing. We all have heard this scripture so many times, and I've referenced this a lot because it's the one that stands out the most to me about timing and with God. 
you know, we, we know Jeremiah 29, 11. We like to quote it. We've got it, you know, written on signs and, and post-it notes around our houses. And, you know, maybe it's written in our Bible or underlined about a thousand times underneath, uh, you know, in our Bibles or, you know, whatever. But we've got stuff. We've heard it, you know. for the plan, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to give you hope and prosper and, and all this kind of stuff. And we're all, yeah, that's, that's the promise of God. Except we forget that verse 10 says that after 70 years. Sometimes the delay, sometimes the reason why there's a delay is because there's a timing issue. God is working through some stuff. There's some things that need to come into play. It could be, an al- it could be as complicated as alignment. Simplest time is complicated as alignment. You know, again, Exodus talks about the life of, it begins with the life of Joseph and a turn in the influence of Joseph because there was a new pharaoh, new person in power, and they didn't like Joseph, didn't like the Israelites, and so they lost their influence and their favor, and they began to be beaten, and and taskmasters were put over them, and, and they were just, they were worked to the bone. In verse, or chapter 2 and 3 starts to talk about the emergence of Moses, but what a lot of people don't realize is a lot of time elapses between Joseph and Moses. But if you notice what God says in Exodus chapter 3, he says to Moses, as a grown man, I've heard the cries of my people. But I've been waiting for you, Moses. That's interesting. There's an alignment sometimes, but that gets complicated. A little bit of timing there too, but it's, it's complicated. Sometimes God is aligning some things in order for things. Do you see the parallel in Isaiah 40? In order for the people to see the glory of God, paths need to be made straight. straight. Mountains need to be lowered. Valleys need to be lifted in order for the glory of God to be seen by all of the people. Sometimes there's some preparing in the delay and in the wait. Do we listen to that? Do we look for that? Do we, you know, because a lot of times, listen, and, and Joyce Myers wrote a great article on this about different kinds of people who wait. There are passive waiters, and she suggests that if you're a passive waiter and just let it happen, she would say to you that you'll probably end up finding yourself going, I'm going to give up. Because she believes that sometimes the waiting is on us, which I'll get to in a second. But she said the expectant, and she relates it to, you know, a, a mother who is, is, you know, with child and, and, and about to give birth. And what does a mother do? What does a family do? They start prepping. They get the room ready. They, they come with a sense of expectancy. Do you know that, that the Hebrew word for trust talks about expectancy? I trust in God means I expect God to answer. It may not answer the way, he may not answer the way that I expect, but he answers. There's an expectancy. I trust, I believe, God, I'm confident that you're there, but I, there's, there's just this sense If I'm expecting it, and she said, we should expect it, because God is faithful. Thank you for the one person. Seriously. It's his name. He's faithful. 
you know, when I mention sometimes it's about you or I, because it's, like I said, it's the simplest time. It could be as complicated, you know, as, uh, as alignment, but it can also be as personal as you. Two thoughts really quickly, and then actually I'll have you come, Rebecca. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 4 says this. It's going to sound a little odd when I read it, but then I'll explain it in a second. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. So when you start looking at the natural, he says, whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the path of the wind and how the body is formed in the mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God the maker of all things. Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let your hands not be idle. For you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. The point of Solomon's message here was, if you determine your choices by what you see in the natural, and don't take the step of faith to sow something, you will never reap a harvest. Do you know, sometimes the delay is because God's waiting for us to take steps of faith. Sometimes God's waiting for us to, t- you know what, God, I, I know what I see in the natural right now, but I'm going to take a step of faith. I'm just going to believe you. I'm going to believe you're going to bless this. Here's another one when it relates to you. Romans chapter 5, verse 3 and 4 says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. I might preach on this one day because I don't think I necessarily, maybe you're in the same boat, have a true understanding of the purpose of suffering and how biblical it can be. It's not always war. But listen to what he says. He said, listen... I also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and that perseverance produces what? Character. And that character is what produces the hope that I have in Christ Jesus. Your character, who you are in Christ, is what gives you the sense of hope because God is the source of hope according to Romans. Sometimes the delay is because God's working something out in you or me. Sometimes God is is doing something inside of you. He's using the opportunity. I'm not saying that necessarily God brought it your way. I think God says, listen, this is coming your way, and I'm going to use this in this moment to develop you, to strengthen you, to equip you, to prepare you for something that's coming. Or maybe, maybe there's just an area of your life, my life, that God says, listen, I need to correct this. I need to work through this because it's not what I want for your life. So I'm going to let you wrestle a little bit. Look at the scriptures. Not uncommon for God to allow people to wrestle a little bit. In fact, sometimes God wrestles with us. Because he's challenging us. And if I could give you two encouraging words in the midst of the wait, what do you do? I was thinking about Psalm 23 this morning. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Although I walk. Whatever you do, 
don't stop. It's important for us to be still before God, but not still before our fears. Don't stop living life and the faith journey because that's what the enemy wants to do. The enemy wants to tempt you to give up so you don't see the promise of God, you don't see the fulfillment of it. And being still before God is another one. Psalm 3, uh, yeah, Psalm chapter 3, verse 5 says this, I lie down, I sleep, I wake again because it's the Lord that sustains me. That word sustain means to lean on someone. The psalmist says, listen, I can lie down, I can sleep, I can awake because I know God, uh, he sustains me, he's someone that I lean on, even though I will, and he says it, I will not fear, though ten thousands, tens of thousands, sorry, assail me on every side. He felt the pressure all around him from every angle. He goes, but I can, I can close my eyes. Why? Because he knows the Lord sustains me. You're, can, I, can I just say this? Oh, man, so much today. Do you know, the moments that I find things get off the rails when it comes to holding out, waiting for the promise of God, the moments that things really get out of whack are the moments that I stop really renewing myself in the presence of God. That's probably the time that I get the most susceptible to giving in. I lower my guard. I just don't have the physical will to press through anymore and here's the psalmist going listen I can feel it from every side tens of thousands that's the kind of pressure but I will lie and I will wake because it's the Lord who sustains me there's a renewing and I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna man I think I'm gonna end with that on Thursday morning before I really tweaked this message put it all together, really. Something had happened and I got angry. And part of it had to do with, I've been here, Cor and I have been here two years. We, we, we just over two years now at Community Time Flies and it's, it's been good, but I'll be honest with you, I've got some promises that God's placed on my heart that haven't been fulfilled yet in this house. And it frustrates me. Oh my God, why the delay? Why the wait? And this situation that I encountered, this frustrates me, and you know it bothers me. And I had a moment before, I couldn't even write anything. I couldn't, and I sat down, and I just started writing out all of the, and all of a sudden, as I'm writing down what I'm feeling, I've got this long, massive half page of just emotion. Like, I'm just spilling out my guts before God. And as soon as I did, I didn't even blink. I didn't even realize I'd done it. As soon as I'd done it, had my little session before God. I wept before God. I started writing my sermon. And about halfway through, I realized something. Huh. I'm not angry anymore. Every emotion is gone. And I felt peace. Why? Because I went to him. Because in the midst of your battle, you've got to find 
his sustaining presence. And here's the last one, James 1, 6 and 7. But when you ask him, be sure that you really expect him to answer. This can't, listen, this can't be any more clear, and you can argue it all day long. doesn't matter. The brother of Jesus, James, makes this declaration. He said, listen, when you ask him, be sure that you really expect him to answer. For a doubtful mind is as unsettled as the wave of the sea that is driven by and tossed by the wind. And people like that, man, James is blunt, man, should not expect to receive anything from you. Why? Because there's something about expectancy and faith that need to be married even in the midst of the wait. Would you stand with me all over this place? Thanks for listening in to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on all social media to stay updated with everything Community Church. Also check us out at www.